That is a student jazz band at Purdue University during a recent dress rehearsal. Getting this practice to happen is a challenge during the pandemic. Actually, getting any music education to happen, it's much harder than you might even think. To do a concert like this safely, not only does everyone have to wear a mask, but just about every instrument has to wear a mask as well. Well, not a mask, technically, but special covers over saxophones or French horns or whatever to keep aerosol particles that might contain COVID-19, if someone is sick and doesn't know it, from spraying out onto other band members. Scientists around the country have been teaming up with band educators to try to test what is and isn't safe when it comes to music education and what kind of protective gear, or PPE, works best. Hello and welcome to the EdSurge Podcast, a weekly look at how education is changing. I'm Jeff Young, a reporter here at EdSurge. This week, we strike up the band and go inside this unusual research project to keep music education going during the pandemic. Yeah, you've got the bunny suit on and um, you put a, a, it's like a shower cap type thing and then we have, there's booties, you put little booties on, so. Our guest is Dan Goebel. He is a saxophone player and director of the School of Music, Theater, and Dance at Colorado State University. Goebel's part of one of several of these research projects where musicians are entering so-called clean rooms to measure just what particles come out of various musical instruments. Typically, experiments like this would go through careful peer review before they could be published. But band and music educators at schools and colleges need this information now if they want to teach safely. So the researchers are publishing data frequently, even as they're doing the experiment. Findings have already been distributed by groups like the College Band Directors National Association, or CBDNA, on their website. They're really trying hard to get some information to um, high schools and colleges, middle schools, because people just really were looking for answers. Um, They were also very clear that these are um, preliminary results and verified peer-reviewed results are going, that, that is going to take months. So that's right. As it always would. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So I think a lot of the, um, the, the, the PPE that's been um, really quickly manufactured some, in some cases by students themselves when I'm talking about special masks or, or bell covers for trumpets, trombones, um, a lot of that came out of um, some recommendations from the CBDNA group, um, I think in a really very valiant attempt to help people um, as they came into the fall semester. So Colorado State, um, we're moving a little bit slower. Um, and one of the reasons we're moving a little bit slower is we're testing about 100 people. Um, and that so that means that we're going to test six to eight flute players and six to eight saxophone players and et cetera. We're also testing singers, um, actors, and then eventually when we can um, adjust the equipment that we're using for testing, we can, we can test uh, hopefully dancers. Um. Before we get into more details about how all this works and about what they're finding, I wanted to first back up and talk about what's at stake here. Why is it so important to keep the band playing at colleges? And to keep music classes going. Well, the ramifications of not not being able to have performing arts and visual arts education are huge, because the the music and the art, the theater, the dance, it has to come from somewhere, and and people, it's not, it doesn't come out of a vacuum. So if we're if we're not able to do these things at the college level, we're not training musicians. 
Um, we're tra- you know, it, 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 it would surprise a lot of people to know that musicians of all genres um, come from university music programs, not just classical or jazz music, but, and there are a lot of great musicians who never do go through those programs. But to lose that would mean we would have a, a year or two or three year gap, training gap, of what keeps us all going, which is the arts. Um, and it's the same in the visual arts. This is, it's the same in dance. So then that trickles down into our music education, art education, dance theater um, education programs. A lot of our students in the universities are majoring in performing arts and visual arts education. But if they're unable to, to make it through school or continue, then suddenly there's a, a, sh- a incredible shortage in the public schools, private schools for, for performing arts and visual arts education. That trickles down into the public schools. If we can't figure out how to have, have reasonable mitigation, then suddenly the interest in, in, in um, these activities could possibly wane, and then it's a, it's a slippery slope, right? So I think that it's, it's, it's so much about the art. It's so much about viability, advocacy, and maintaining, um, maintaining really effective arts programs in the United States. They are so critical. They're so critical also for the 97% of the students who participate in the arts in schools who don't go into them as a profession, but how much that enhances their lives and their, the lives of their communities, um, makes them better students in all other disciplines, teaches them um, how to work in groups and collaborate, um, how to meet deadlines, um, how to really strive for excellence in everything that they, that they do. So it's, the ramifications are huge, I think, and I'm not alone in that. And, and that's why we're, we're, we're really tireless in our pursuit, I think, of, um, of, an, of answers. You yesterday, you said we're in a room um, to test aerosol from something. Could you describe what you were up to there? Like, how does it look to, to do this experiment? So basically what happens is we, 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 we have at CSU one of the very few um, Class 100 clean rooms um, in the country a clean room is a place you can go. And again, I'm not a scientist. I'm a, I'm a saxophone player. So this is my this is the saxophone player's description of what this is, not the mechanical engineer or the scientist, right? So um, it's basically a place where you can go and they filter out as much of, of the latent background aerosol emissions as possible. And then um, we play our, our instruments um, our musical instruments into a collection device that funnels um, droplets and, and, and um, you know, really, really small. We're talking about like one micron and, 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 and lower yeah, that, are, that are measured. Um, and so the w- way we're doing this is we, we have uh, every single subject in the test speak for about three minutes to get a, a, a background. Like what, what is produced by this individual speaking? Um, we do that with a mask on and without a mask on um, to see the difference. Then we have everybody sing happy birthday for about three minutes to, to get a base level for singing. And the reason we have everybody sing is, is, is there's so much concern globally about the effects of, of aerosol and potential, again, unverified um, transmission of COVID through aerosol. Again, this is 
um, not verified um, by scientific study yet. But there is concern about that. So everybody sings. A hundred people are going to sing. We're going to um, so we're going to have a, a really a, a good body of data um, on those one hundred people singing "Happy Birthday." Um, they do that math, including you. Oh uh, yeah, you, you and, and I'll tell you, you don't want to hear the recording of that. Um, so <laughs> I was going to ask you to sing, but yeah. okay. As okay. I said, I'm a saxophone player, not a singer um, uh, or a scientist. So um, once that has been accomplished, then um, depending on the specialty area, it could be playing the flute, it could be playing the trumpet, um, uh, it could be a real singer, an actual uh, professional college or high school or middle school singer, um, and uh, uh, actors, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, eventually dancers. So, um, so they 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 play or sing pre-chosen uh, material because we want everybody to sing exactly or play exactly the same thing. We've chosen the repertoire according to ability level because what's important is that we're not only testing a multiple individuals, we're testing multiple ability levels and ages. Um, so, and then they also have a piece of their choice that they, they can really basically cut loose on, either singing or playing. In, in voice, we're also, also having the singer sing in different languages because we want to make, we want to just see what, what is the data? Is it, is there a difference between singing in English and in French? Is there a difference between singing in German and and French, for example? Um, We're looking at, uh, we have a, we have one group for traditional classical singing. We have another group for uh, musical theater, pop singing. Is there a difference between those? And you're standing in a clean room with some sort of booties and... Yeah, you've got the bunny suit on, and um, it's like a jumpsuit. You, you um, put the suit on, um, you put a... It's like a shower cap type thing, and then we have, there's booties. You put little booties on, so... Um, and, and then um, you enter this crazy clean room. And it, it looks like a, a giant um, walk-in refrigerator with windows. It's, it's, it's about the size of a... If you ever worked fast food, it's like the size of the walk-in refrigerator in the fast food joint that you you worked in through high school, right? Gotcha. <laughs> and that's a, that's where you're playing. That's your studio for this experiment, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the but you know the the reality is, um, we're we're producing aerosols when we walk through a room. Um, we're producing when we breathe. You know, but, but the, so the question is: Is there more when you're playing the flute or the trumpet? And so what we also have to do is once somebody has sung, spoken, or played, the person has to sit for two or three minutes for the, uh, for the room to filter out and, and exhaust um, the, the aerosols that were um, produced. So it's a, it's a process of speaking, singing, playing, um, unmasked or masked, and then going into the corner and sitting down and, and putting your mask back on and just sitting, letting things settle out. So it takes a couple hours to get... Um, a participant through the the uh, the process, and I think we've we've been out of the one hundred. We're about a quarter of the way through. We've we've tested about twenty to twenty five people so far, um, and so the the early results are on the website. So what are they finding? Are these musical instruments dangerous emitters, and are some instruments safer than others? So it's pretty obvious when you play a wind instrument, there there are more emissions than when you're just speaking. Um, and when you sing, it, it, it looks like, based on preliminary data, that everything we thought was true is true, that when you sing, um, you produce more than just normal speaking. And we're going to test another 75 or so people 
to make sure that there's a really good data set for, for peer review. Is there any sense that certain instruments are more dangerous in this context than others as far as aerosol spray? I mean, it looks like, and again, this is completely unqualified, unreviewed, unverified, but based on the, the low number of people we've um, tested so far, it looks like flute isn't really all that bad. Um, now, that doesn't mean it's, it's um, any, any better than, or, or, uh, than speaking normally, but, but that doesn't really tell us much, because, and, and here's why. We could say, well, it looks like flute isn't as bad as we thought, um, or it looks like trumpet's worse than we thought. Um, but that still doesn't take into, into account the number of people in a room, the amount of time the, the individuals spend in a room, the size of the room, and, and the amount of air that's being exchanged, and the amount of outside air. That, it's so complicated. So that's why all of us in these different projects are really very reticent and hesitant to make any recommendations to individual institutions because everybody's situation is different. So I think that the, the danger is, is we're all looking for a magic bullet, right? And it's just not there. It's not there. So everybody has to take their own situation into consideration. So what, what may be happening at Purdue might be working great be, because it's not just about PPE. It's about all those other things. It's about occupancy, occupancy time, air exchange, outside air, all of those things. I first learned about this whole issue during a special series we're doing on the podcast. We have been following the stories of students and professors on six campuses, and they're sending in regular audio diaries of how their lives are impacted by the pandemic. And one of those students is in that Purdue jazz band that I mentioned earlier. That's them playing right now. That student, Joseph Ching, he sure hopes that they can keep practicing like this and that they're not forced into online classes by health concerns. He said he just can't imagine how that would even work to, to play remotely with the band. For now, his practices and his band classes, they do continue. And everything's outside, which is what the experts recommend. Outside, and, and you know, uh, uh, Shelly Miller from University of Colorado, who is, she, her, her expertise is in this area of, um, you know, uh, you know how, how healthy are rooms. She's, she's amazing. Um, and her, her mantra is, outside is better. So how does it sound to play the sax in this uh, freezer-like <laughs> room? Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's not all that bad. I mean, it's a pretty big room. Um, and uh, it's no different than playing in an ISO booth in a recording studio, really. Um, so not that bad. I, so, so yesterday it was all about, for me, it was all about testing bell covers um, because that, that's a pretty popular um, PPE um, strategy right now. And what I found with the bell covers is it, it really does affect the, at least the ones that I tried, it affect it, it created more resistance for me. So I was having to make adjustments in my playing. Um, but not that much. I mean, you could still hear the sound. It was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Um, and, uh, we spent about two hours doing that with, the, with the alto saxophone yesterday. Do you feel differently about your instrument in this now that we're in this weird situation where the what was once the the magic of it of the beautiful sounds coming out is now also potentially containing you know virus yeah and and i think the 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 thing to be really clear about too to to backtrack and then and then 
I, I understand the nature of the question. Um, we don't know if there's virus in aerosol. Um, there's there's speculation. There's there's some pretty good solid antidotal evidence, but again, there's never been yet, to the best of my knowledge, um, a verified peer reviewed scientific study. But but our aerosol engineers and scientists um, seem to be coming to that conclusion. So that's why we're being so 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 diligent about this. Um, we want to make sure we do everything we possibly can as educators to to not put our students, faculty, staff, or their families in, in, in harm's way. So I think that's why a lot of schools are really taking extreme measures, and, and I, I, I think that's a good idea. That's my personal um, feeling about that. Uh, but in terms of the magic, I can tell you that when I, was, I spent two hours in the chamber yesterday, um, that was the longest I'd spent playing the saxophone in about six months, and boy, it sure felt good. I didn't care if I had a bell cover on or there was a, a uh, sock in my bell or, you know, it just felt really good to play. Um, and that's playing the exact same piece over and over again 30 times at the same tempo, so... How come you haven't been playing? Sorry to oh, you. haven't been playing? How come? Um, playing a little bit, but my, my, my primary... Um, position at CSU as an, as an administrator, as the director of the school. But I think that for a lot of us, you know, there's the, the issue of, of the goal at the end, right? So there's, there's no gigs right now. Um, so I think a lot of musicians have been, um, you know, fairly, fairly dormant. Um, now, you know, we can come up with all kinds of projects. And I think that that's the it's really, you know, solo recitals, unaccompanied recitals, electroacoustic things. Um, but at the end of the day, we like playing music with each other. Musicians like to collaborate. We like to play in, in groups. And I think that um, that's been curtailed so much that a lot of people um, have, have really found it difficult to, to find that motivation. Um, and, and a lot have. A lot, a lot of musicians are inspired even more to, to just really... Um, keep your nose to the grindstone, practice hard. Um, and I think, I think for me, um, yesterday was really an eye-opener because I, I had forgotten how much uh, it meant to, to, to really, really go after it. Um, and uh, so, so my next project then is going to be, you know, I think the old uh, uh, aging administrator, get the saxophone out, um, get a project together, uh, solo, um, like I said, like, there's so much great electroacoustic stuff for every instrument, you know, in the classical realm. Tough, you know, it's so hard uh, with with jazz because it's such an interactive, collaborative art form um, that we're just we're just just hoping and, and working hard to find these mitigation solutions so we can we can get back. That's the ultimate goal. We want to get people back on stage, and and and, and in the, at the end of the day, that's what we're that's what we're after. This has been the EdSurge Podcast. Each week, we explore big issues facing education. If you like the show, please take a moment to give us a rating or tell a friend about the EdSurge Podcast on social media. And make sure to check out our ongoing series taking you inside college life during the pandemic. We'll have a new episode of that next Tuesday on this feed. This episode was edited and produced by me, Jeff Young. You can find me on Twitter at jryoung. Special thanks to Joseph Ching a student in the jazz band at Purdue who recorded that dress rehearsal that you heard. And thanks, as always, to Tony Wan, the managing editor of EdSurge, who keeps us all in tune. Until next week, 
Thanks for listening and be well.